Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200. This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 436. All they're doing is making money on you, the business owner, before they know what will work. And so if it doesn't work, you're out all the money and they move on to the next customer that they do this to. If you're a business owner or entrepreneur, you have more in common with politicians than you may think. You both need a proven, foolproof marketing system to succeed in today's tumultuous marketplace. So what if the key to future success lies in a simple and secret marketing approach that presidents use to get elected and startup companies use to become billion-dollar unicorns? What if you could use this approach to convert customers in half the time, eliminate your financial risk, and secure huge profits? Hi, I'm Jeff, and this is the Read to Lead podcast, the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. I interview successful and inspiring authors, and we dig into their latest book and their insights on things like leadership, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, entrepreneurship, and a whole lot more. Today's guest is a man named Philip Stutz. He's author of The Undefeated Marketing System. It's called Undefeated because, well, it always works. How to grow your business and build your audience using the secret formula that elects presidents. I'll be asking Phil to share about his career as a successful election strategist. We'll dive deep into his undefeated marketing system, how he would respond to someone who isn't convinced his system will work for their business, and a lot more. If you've listened to the last few episodes, you've heard me talk about this, so I'll be brief. My note-making mastery cohort is going quite well. We're in cohort number two now, with cohort three coming in either September or October. I'm not exactly sure yet when that one's going to happen. But if you missed the first or the second cohort and you want to take part in the next one, or at least be notified for future opportunities to participate in the cohort, I encourage you to go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash list. Put your first name and email address there, and you will be officially on the notifications list. Note-making Mastery is all about learning to better collect, connect, contribute to, and create with the notes that you take from the content you consume, be that podcasts, videos, books, articles online, the meetings you attend, the conversations you have. Finally, learn how to effectively do something with all those notes you take. Remember where they are. Know how to find what you need, when you need it, that sort of thing. That's what my note-making mastery cohort is all about. And again, you can get on the notifications list when you go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash list. Lisa was one of several participating in cohort number one, and she said this far exceeded my expectations of how I imagined my notes could be used. If you have an appetite for learning, this system helps you finally have a method to find your notes, expand your ideas, and amplify your knowledge to another level. My only regret, she says, is I didn't have this 10 years ago, but I'm quickly making up for lost time. Again, get on that notifications list at readtoleadpodcast.com slash list. 
Philip Stutz is the founder and CEO of Win Big Media, a corporate marketing agency and founder and executive chairman of Go Big Media, a political marketing firm. He is also the best-selling author of Fire Them Now, The Seven Lies Digital Marketers Sell and the Truth About Political Strategies That Help Businesses Win. He's made more than 350 national appearances and been interviewed by renowned business, entertainment, and health leaders, including Gary Vaynerchuk, Peter Diamandis, James Altucher, Michael Hyatt, Jay Abraham, Adam Carolla, Dr. Drew Pensky, and Dr. Stephen Gundry. His new book is called The Undefeated Marketing System, How to Grow Your Business and Build Your Audience Using the Secret Formula that Elects Presidents. Well, Philip, I'm excited to have you on. This is, of course, not your first book, as I, as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, your second, and you've got a lot to offer in this area. So thank you for being here and being a part of the Read to Lead podcast. I'm, I love what you're putting out in the world. This is, uh, is for people that don't know, Jeff didn't invite me. Well, he invited me, but only after I pitched him because <laughs> I like what Jeff, I like what I love the mission of Read to Lead. Love it. I, I think that all of my success has come. You know, I'm writing, I, let me, sorry, I, I'm now hijacking this before you've asked a question. That's um, okay. But, That's all right. Uh, uh, <laughs> Three days ago, I got Tony Robbins to fly to Tuscaloosa, Alabama and speak to the University of Alabama football team. Um, the University of Alabama and Coach Nick Saban is a client. And I've gotten to work with, I, uh, I did some projects for Tony earlier this year. And I said, oh, there's a connection. And the team is the ranked number one, the run in the preseason, the football team. And so I, um, I said, maybe I can get Tony to come speak to the team. And he did without charging a dollar. Wow. And uh, so I went up to Tuscaloosa uh, the other night and brought my daughter and my, my wife and we got to see him speak to 82 football players. And then we got to hang out with him afterwards. And then this morning I woke up and I go, you know, I got to write about this. I have to write about this. Like I have to blog about this, right? This experience. The reason I wanted to blog about it was because about eight years ago, I was what I would call a wannapreneur, not an entrepreneur. Mm. I told people, oh, I got, I own a business and I'm the boss and all that <laughs> stuff. But I had never read a business book, never. Eight mm. years ago, I'm 48 now. So I was 40. And I was driving down uh, an interstate listening to Tim Ferriss podcast in 2014. And he had on Tony Robbins. And mm. I remember listening to this podcast and I just go, oh my God, every pain that I feel in my life, he, I, I, this guy can help me solve it. I immediately pulled over on a, uh, on a rest area. I looked up TonyRobbins.com for the first time in my life. I paid, I wrote a $10,000 check to go to business mastery that day. From that point, I've now read about, you know, a hundred, 200 business books. Mm. I went from having a business that was grossing about $400,000 a year to now we're going to, we've done over a billion dollars in sales in the last, uh, last eight years. Wow. I now own seven companies. I'm invested in 11 other companies and I've written two books. It all goes back to the fact that he, Tony really planted a seed that you have to learn constantly if mm. and learn from people that are better than you if you want to go somewhere with your business and in life, right? Everything is about it. Like it's not just business, it's it's yeah. life. And so yeah, let me round it back to you now, which is like what I love about that is it's truth. It's mm. just the truth. And you know, for a long time in my wannabe entrepreneurial journey. 
I just figured that it just came, showed up. I don't know. I, you know, I just, I didn't, honest to God, I didn't even know what a PL was when I was 40 years old. Think about that. Mm. And now I've taken probably a thousand hours in accounting pr- uh, classes. I've read accounting books. I mean, I've like, it, you either master it or you, you just stay stuck. Right. Yeah. And so what I love about what you do is exa- it's the seed w- that you teach is the redelete. It just is. Well, thank you for for saying that. Yeah. 20 years ago, I had read maybe one or two business books and then really dove in in 2003 and mm. haven't stopped uh, since. Mm. And it's not enough just to, to learn. As you well know, uh, you have to take what you've learned and, and parse yeah. that out and, and put your own spin on it and put it into action and experiment and take that next step. And obviously, you've, you've done that. I'd love to talk to you. You've shared a little bit about your background, but I want to go back a few more years to when you were in your mid-20s and, and kind of how you got your start uh, on the political side that then led you to sharing what you've learned there with those in the area uh, of business? Well, I mean, I'm the first generation of ADD diagnosis, right? So in the 1980s, there wasn't even ADHD. I was, I preceded ADHD. I was ADD. That was a attention deficit disorder. There's no hyperactive in there. Mm. And um, basically what I would tell you is what that guided me in a, in a certain way when I was diagnosed, which is I can only focus on the things that I really care about. And so when growing up, I, and you know, this kind of leads back to what I was talking about. I went to the University of Alabama and uh, I chose my college because I loved college football. <laughs> I'll be honest. Probably wouldn't have done that today, but that's how I was back then because I was interested in it. Right. And I was a horrible student, hated school, Same. but I knew when I got, when I graduated college that I had to do something that I cared about. I mean, people were like, Oh, like somebody recommended, I go, uh, sell like trucking supplies. And there's a lot of money involved in that kind of stuff back in 1996 when I was, you know, graduating college. And I was like, I think I'd rather throw up than try <laughs> to learn a trucking. So not that there's anything wrong. It's not a judgment just for me personally. It's just not yeah. what I wanted to do, but I became fascinated in 1994 with politics. They're not, not really um, policy stuff, Mm-hmm. but the marketing of politicians, because for the first time in 40 years, I don't care if you're right or left, but the first time in 40 years, the Republicans took control of the House of Representatives and they did it on a marketing campaign called the Contract with America. Mm-hmm. And so we were studying it in, at, at school, in school and I was just fascinated by the marketing of that and that their, the head of the, their head brand was a guy named Newt Gingrich. Again, I don't care if you hate him or love him, it has nothing to do with it. I was just fascinated by this guy, this ultimate marketer that put together this ultimate branding campaign. And I was just like, I, I want to learn how, to, how that works, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, the, the, you know, that's what really caught my eye. And then, you know, in 1996, I moved out to California and worked for a presidential convention and then ended up working in the presidential campaign in 96 for Bob Dole. And then it said, oh my gosh, I love this. I mean, it's like seven day a week work, but it was so purpose-driven and fascinating and fun mm. And learning, you know, how the sausage is made from uh, to get people elected. And so then I moved to Washington, D.C. and really started my journey. At, at this point, I've worked on eight presidential campaigns, three winning presidential campaigns. And I've been a part of over 1,450 election wins from U.S. Senate to governor to Congress to presidents, all that in between. Mm-hmm. And so that's really the journey. And then I think, you know, sort of that 40-year-old that I talked about earlier, that mm-hmm. it was like my midlife crisis. Like, Jeff, I didn't go out and buy a Harley. 
<laughs> my midlife crisis. I didn't go out and cheat on my wife. Mm. I just started businesses and <laughs> became an entrepreneur. I love so it. It's kind of led me to where I am. Mm. Now, before we get into the system that you outline in the book, I want to have you explain something that you you say at the outset. It's that this system is is only for the committed, not for the quote unquote mm. interested. Why do you, you put it that way? Well, let me recognize that you're the only person that's ever asked me that after about 300 interviews. <laughs> and it's probably the most important thing I'm trying to get across in the mm. book. And the shocking thing is I wrote it because I said, when I talk to a business owner, I want them to know that, that they better be committed if they're going to talk to me. Mm. And I would still tell you, even after writing in that book and how many times I mentioned committed versus interested, nine out of 10 business owners come interested, they don't come committed. Mm. So what does it mean? I mean, I've learned this lesson too. I'm, I'm probably Well, we're all poster children if we're entrepreneurs for chasing the shiny object, right? Mm -hmm. We love shiny objects. And I say that when people learn about how we do marketing and politics and apply it to business, they can have exponential growth. And one of the points I make in the book is that every company, and still to this day, every single company that has ever worked with us that has followed this five-step undefeated marketing formula has grown their bottom line. Every single one. That's why it's called undefeated because we just mm-hmm. found that when you applied this formula in your marketing to your business, you're going to grow every time. But the problem is, is that it's you have to be committed to it. You have to say, this is an investment of time and resources. You have to do it right. And every time, not every time, nine out of 10 times, a business owner comes to us and says, Oh, I'm so, I read your book or I heard you, you know, on, on TV giving an interview or whatever. And I am all in on this undefeated morning for We're dying for this. We're, we have the ability to go to the next level. And I'm like, awesome. And they are really interested. <laughs> and then they learn how you have to follow the steps in order to grow in your marketing and eliminate. Listen, I have a system that eliminates your risk. As the business owner, it'll not only eliminate your risk, it grows your bottom line, but it's not easy. It's hard. And, and, you know, the business is coming go, I don't care. We know you're not going to show us a sidebar. I have business owners that come to me and say, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars and I want you to 10 exit. And I go, what, what are you talking about? Like, does it work that way? Like, Where did that number come from? Right? Yeah. They just make stuff up. Right. Yeah. And this happens all the time, hmm. but the business owners that go, I understand that we're going to have to onboard this thing, that we're going to have to invest in this thing, and that ultimately we're going to grow this thing. And we're committed to it, um, even though there may be a little bit of short-term pain in trying to get there. And again, short-term pain or long-term pain, what do you want, right? Because a short-term pain leads to long-term gain. And I just this is what drives me nuts, right? So people go, oh, this is so hard. You know what? Uh, somebody over here is selling me a get rich quick pill. You're not selling the get rich quick pill. So I'm now interested in the get rich quick pill. So uh, we're going to go somewhere else. And that's typically what happens. And it happens to all. I've done it in my own way, in my own businesses. I've chased shiny objects, but I also had a lot of mentors (laughs) that like literally sat me down and yelled at me Mm. to stop chasing shiny objects. But for me, it is in marketing today. I want everybody to listen to this. According to Forbes, we're seeing up to 10,000 ads a day online and offline. According uh, to CompuWare, if a consumer, customer, client has one bad experience on your website, 88% of them will never come back to that website again. So think about if you're not mobile friendly or you're, you're, you know, you go to somebody, let's say you see an ad, you click on it and it's a clunky website. You go, Ugh, I'm not going there. Yeah, all of us have done this. 
So when you're seeing 10,000 ads a day and you have to break through the clutter, you only get a small shot to get those people in your funnel and to turn them into customers or clients. And if you're not committed to an analytical and data-backed approach, right? I, you know, I, I say this, we play money ball with marketing. We do everything we can to use data to eliminate risk and, and create uh, exponential gains, but that's hard work. And if you're not committed to the hard work, if you just want to outsource your marketing and then expect to have 10x returns in, in five weeks, it's just not going to happen. And so, you know, what, what I, the last thing I'll say is this couple of the committed businesses that we've worked with, but it doesn't have, I'm not saying you have to work with me. It's just follow the system. And, and I lay it out in the book on how you can do it without hiring you know, us or taking it to your marketing agency and asking them to implement it. But we've worked with a 40-year-old pest control company, national pest control company that had lost $2 million in market share from the wrong marketing campaign. And five months after working with us, they had the greatest month in the history of their 40-year company. We work with a regional furniture company who, in the la- after working with us for nine months, had the greatest sales record in history. Oh, they're a 105-year-old company. We work with a, a big law firm out of New York. They've been, in, in, uh, they've been around for 27 years. Um, in the last year, uh, after working with us for about 10 months, they had the greatest month in the history of their law firm. And then we work with a grain-free granola company that's in Whole Foods and all this stuff. They've been around for 13 years. And in, in the last Black Friday, four months after working with us, they had the greatest Black Friday in the history of their company. And it's not because I'm special. I'm not. It's because we don't, we have no bias. We follow data and we implement your marketing campaign based on that. I make $0 on Facebook and Instagram. They don't pay me anything. I can't say how many times a company comes to us, Jeff, and they say, you know, we have this Facebook marketing company and they say, we got to do We got to spend 85% of our budget on Facebook. And then we look at their data and we realize their customers, only about 15% of their customers are on Facebook buying things. Do you think that Facebook advertising agency is going to tell that business owner that it's not a productive platform for their for their business? No. no, no. So I don't <laughs> follow that. I don't have that. I'm I'm screen agnostic. Mm. I'm where their customers go. That's what I'm I'm the advocate for the client. And then I direct where their where their attention is going, where they're buying things, and then I direct the marketing campaign into that direction. And there's something you say with regard to politics, and a lot of folks sort of get this misconstrued and think that, okay, we're, we're going to take the politician and we're going to conform them in mm-hmm. such a way that they're attractive to the voter. When it's not that, it's about recognizing what does the politician already believe that the voter is most attuned to and most passionate about? And let's highlight, let's, let's, right. let's emphasize those things and in taking that kind of concept and applying it to business. So let's, let's talk about some of the steps. And in the first one, you and I were talking about a moment ago before we started recording. And that's why it's important to understand that successful marketing isn't about how great your business is. It's about what motivates customers. You were sort of, sort of leading into that just a moment ago. Can you kind of expound on that a little bit? Well, you you just pointed out another distinction that I don't think anybody's ever pointed out, and it's really important. I've never worked with a politician and said we you know surveyed or polled the voters, so this is what you should believe, right? In a way, that's kind of the Bill Clinton approach. Bill Clinton did that a lot. It won him elections. Don't get me wrong, but he would say, "Oh, 
the voters want this. Okay. I'll be that. Right. Mm-hmm. My approach from the time I was 22 years old has been just completely different. Mine is find out what the politician believes because they're going to be passionate about it, but then find out where there's an alignment between what they believe in the voter. Right. It's the same. And by the way, if you're listening to this right now, this is a metaphor. <laughs> I'm not trying to change the business owner and their vision. I'm trying to find an alignment. One of the big mistakes I made in my career, just probably did it on this podcast. That wasn't a mistake, but this is what we do. Mm. We tell our founder's story. I I love to tell my founder's story. I'm sure you do too, Jeff. Mm. And what if I told you though, that we could tell you as a marketing, as a data and marketing and analytics agency, that only about 25% of your founder's story, your customers care about. Mm. Would you continue to put your message advertising brand, tell the 75% of the story that your customers don't care about at all? Or would you take the 25% that they really are interested in? And would you optimize that for max performance? Yeah, I would optimize that, especially if that's what the data were telling me. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So it's not changing your founder story. Mm. It's optimizing it to find alignment with the customer. And so like in politics, you know, the example I give is like, uh, you know, let's say I sit down with a politician and they want to run for governor of Tennessee, right? And, and I asked them, what are the, you know, what do you really want to run on? And inevitably, you know, the egotistical politician will give me like 25 things. Like, I want to run on education and taxes and environment. You know, and they're like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, like voters only can really have the capacity to understand one or two issues, not 25. Like they've right. got families, they've got soccer practices, they've got kids, they got education, they got all these other things. <laughs> they're not paying attention to the politician. And so I said, cool, thank you for those 25 things. But let me go look in the data and find where there's an alignment with the voter with one or two of these 25 things. So we do, we, we, it's very sophisticated, right? And I'll tell you about that in just a second, but we find that alignment through polling, through data, through consumer data, through all that stuff. And we find out what two issues will help us win the election more than anything else. If those voters knew that that politician cared about those one or two issues, that it would it would be so powerful that it would overcome party differences, partisan differences, all of those things, right? And remember, the difference between corporate America and political campaigns or corporate marketing, political marketing, is in political marketing, I just need 50.1% of the market and I win right? Yeah. In corporate America, it's not that at all. That's why we have these negative ads that go like, you know, whack somebody over the head with a pole. Like <laughs> the reason being is because you can offend 49.9% of the market, mm. right? So my point ultimately in, in, in business, you can't do that. I know, trust me. Mm. And so what we're trying to figure out is where do you have the biggest alignment with your customer? And you need to know that first before you build a brand. Everybody makes a mistake or especially marketing agencies. They tell you the first thing you need to do is build your brand before you even know what your customer wants. Mm. And see, I just think in this world we live in now, there's just such a lack of empathy and so many different under like the, the empathy of understanding what moves the customer. And since COVID, the customer's buying motivation has changed about 27 different times. And if you don't know what's motivating them, then you're not maximizing the ability to make money. And that's what I'm trying to teach is how to understand that in real time, market to it in real time and maximize your profits. It reminds me of this phrase a lot of people use that when they refer to someone as chameleon-like, he or she is chameleon-like, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a negative comment. It's, it has a neg- negative connotation to it. Yeah. But when I think about what a chameleon is really doing in adapting to their environment, they're just adapting. To, they're still a chameleon. 
They haven't stopped being a chameleon. Right. They're just emphasizing the parts of themselves in that moment that give them the best advantage based on what's around them. That's right. And it's just fascinating to me. Um, and you just touched on something when it comes to most agencies is they're notorious, aren't they, for starting at step three, uh, centered around branding right. or, or, or rebranding. Can you uh, sort of unpack what that step is designed to accomplish and, and, and why we're wasting our money with agencies who, who make this the starting point? Well, yeah. When someone tells you to brand, before they know what your customer really thinks. Not, we've built this avatar of this network. Like, no, 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 no. I'll tell you how I look at it in a second. But unless they have certainty on what the brand should be from the customer, not from your perspective, from the customer, then all they're doing is making money on you, the business owner, before they know what will work. And so if it doesn't work, you're out all the money and they move on to the next customer that they do this to. Mm. My point is, I'm so committed. See that word committed. I'm so <laughs> committed to this that I went out and created a partnership with the largest data collection, analytics, and AI company in America. And in the database we work out of, we have an exclusive partnership with this company. And I have 230 million American consumers, 550 million connected devices. We're tracking 10 billion online purchasing decisions every day and a trillion searches every day. Mm. I basically have on average average about 10,000 data points on every American consumer right now, 10,000 data points. And I can take your customer list or I can put a pixel on your website and then we can grab their IP address and we can track those people. And yes, there has there been some security stuff that has slowed that down? Sure. But I've already got 10,000 data points on every American. Like I have more than anybody. So we're not slowed down at all by those. And so what we're able to do is track their movement we're tracking what they do, not what they say. We're not tracking an avatar. We're tracking what these customers are actually doing. Mm. And I can tell you these customers' top three values in life. I can tell you the social media platforms they're going on in a chronological order. Wouldn't that be important? So, mm. you know, I mentioned this earlier, Jeff, but like we were working with this one company. They were spending 85% of their budget on Facebook because they had a Facebook advertising marketing agency. And our data said that Facebook was the number four social media platform for their customers. 85% of their budget going to what was number four platform. Mm. Their number one platform was Pinterest. And they had never advertised on Pinterest. They never considered advertising on Pinterest. <laughs> but what they didn't realize was that women had come into this particular company as a customer or were looking at this particular company as a customer. So this is an office chair company. I'm actually sitting in one of their office chairs right now. <laughs> and during the pandemic, women went back to work and they were working mm. from home and they wanted a good office chair. Mm. And this company had no idea that that existed. So they were spending $0 on the number one platform for their customers were going to every day. And they were spending 85% of their dollars on the number four platform that their customers were going to every day. And so what we were able to do is use that data to understand what messages would work and then reorganize their budget in a more analytical money ball approach to say, here's how much you're going to spend on Pinterest. Here's how much you're going to spend. It's not that I didn't want to spend money on Facebook. I just don't want to spend 85% of their dollars on Facebook because I'm not a Facebook ad agency. <laughs> I'm a data and analytics ad agency. So I'm going to look at the data and analytics and let that guide me. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we approach this with all of our clients is to eliminate all inefficiencies, make sure your message is exactly what the customer wants to hear from you and to drive 
more profitability for the business. And, and a lot of what you're talking about at the end of the day results in an increased lifetime customer value, right? And I think that's just something that a lot of businesses yes, uh, miss. You were talking a little bit about this earlier. I was going to hit on this and I didn't, so I'll hit on it now. But there's the one example yeah. in the book of somebody who gave you $100,000 and wanted you to turn it into $500,000. You didn't quite turn it into 500000 but I, I think uh, their investment garnered a 140% increase or something like that. Uh, but they missed the fact that their lifetime customer value rose from 66 dollars a customer to ninety one dollars a customer. No, it was. I think it went from ninety one to one hundred and eighty. Uh, the oh, lifetime okay. value. Okay, I got the number. Doubled the lifetime value of their customer, but they were an interested company. So when mm-hmm. we said your your the lifetime value of your customer has just gone from ninety dollars to one hundred eighty one dollars. I think we two point three x their ad spend. They basically said, yeah. But we gave you ten thousand dollars, and we wanted a hundred thousand immediately. And I mm-hmm. go, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. That's not how it. That doesn't serve how, your business. I mean, I, and and the funny thing, and you may remember this. And look, I said, I asked the the business owner. I said, where did you come up with that number? Because I'm looking at data and analytics and numbers, and like I'm I, I'm a I'm an analyst. I'm a data analyst. And I said, where did you get that? And they said, we just made it up. <laughs> And I said, I know, but that's not how it works. And they go, yeah, but that's what we want. And I go, well, I appreciate that. You know, I, I want a million dollars in my bank account tomorrow. Like, I, I mean, I appreciate wanting things, but there is realistic thing. And the fact is we crushed their ad campaign, crushed it, but they were so obsessed with what they were interested in, not what they were committed to, mm. that they eventually couldn't see all the success. And we ended up stopping working for them. Phil, what do you say to somebody who says, you know, that's this is all great and I see how it works for other businesses, but it won't work for my business? What, what, what is your response to it? It's worked for every business we've worked with, from small <laughs> businesses to startups. Uh, I give practical ideas in the book on how people can do this. You do not have to hire me or, you know, if you have another marketing agency, make them read it and uh, follow the steps. Like the steps are to eliminate your risk before you go spend big dollars on your marketing. So when you mm. do spend big dollars on your marketing, you know it's going to work. Um, we talk about this one story, This um, the National Pest Control Company I've mentioned earlier in the podcast. And they had spent $1.8 million before they hired us to lose $2 million in market share because they were running a marketing campaign that had worked for about 10 years and then it stopped working and they didn't know why. Mm. And so when they hired us, they ended up having to spend about 35 to 50 grand to get onboarded and to do all the things they needed to do. Now, this is a bigger company. There's ways to do it if you're a smaller company that don't cost as much. And then five months after starting with us, they had the greatest month in the history of their company. Mm. And they basically 10X'd what they had initially invested with us. So my point is, what are you willing to do? Are you willing to pay the dumb tax over and over again and guess what's right? Or do you want to invest in data and certainty and analytics to get it right? And then when you're ready to spend money, you make a return on that investment. Mm. We've uh, mentioned some of these. I've not called out the these steps specifically in every instance. But if you could just sort of quickly go through each of the five steps. Yeah. So step one, we've talked a lot about, right? Is mm-hmm. doing a deep dive into your customer data to understand what moves them, what motivates them, and then finding the alignment between your vision as the business owner 
and what the customer wants, right? That's really important. So step two for us is now that you've done that, and this is where people make massive mistakes, Jeff. I can't tell you how many times someone has come to me and said, hey, we want to work with you guys. And I go, okay, where do you, what are you doing right now? And they go, well, we're running Facebook ads, we're running Instagram ads, we're doing direct mail or all that stuff. And I go, okay, cool. What's your strategy? And they go, strategy? No, no, we're just <laughs> buying a bunch of ads right now. Like, right. My thing is take that alignment between you and the, and the customer. Mm. And when I tell you about like, you know, what social media platforms are, are going to perform well for your customer and design a strategic roadmap, you have a strategic plan for your business. Why don't you have one for your marketing? And not only that, the strategic plan should not only be the messages that the data say will work, it should be where you should be applying your money, your budgets. It should be the timeline. It should be what the goal is based on what the data tells you. It should be a lot of, it's a business plan for your marketing. So that's step two. Step three is now that you know what your customer wants, now that you know where you have alignment, you work on your brand. So if you're a a business owner and you say, hey, I'm going to have a a website and I'm going to do a little welcome video on the front, right? We we, we recommend this a lot with businesses because people watch video Mm -hmm. and it's a good way to get your message out. The, The great thing about the intro video is that you can align that message with what the customer wants. And when they watch the video, they go, oh, there's people speak to me. They get mm-hmm. me, you know, that's what you're trying to do. Build the brand. It may be a rebrand, right? Whatever it is, your brand should be what is going to resonate to your customer. In politics, if I get a voter to come to the website to learn more about my candidate and they go to the website and they go, this woman doesn't understand me at all. We <laughs> lose that voter forever. It's mm-hmm. the same way for your customer. And so you've got to get the brand right. And it's got to be step three, not step one. Mm. Step four for us is now that you know what the data says, now that you have a strategic plan, now that you've built the brand, you take the 10 messages that you found in the data and you do A-B testing. Now, all marketing agencies do A-B testing. That's basically testing one message versus another, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you 99% of marketing agencies sit around a table and come up with those messages and they don't have any data. They don't have any certainty behind them. They're just testing things off the top of their head. Mine is, I'm going to test what we found in the data that we know the customers are already going to like. And let me give you an example of what I mean by that. In the 2016 presidential campaign, Donald Trump's campaign followed this five-step formula. All politicians do it. They, They were going to run a Facebook campaign and they knew the message would work, but they didn't know how it would work. So they ran 162 versions of one ad. They ran the ad in a red background, a green background. They ran different font sizes. They ran messages that were tweaked slightly. They had women in the ad. They had men in the ad. They had fonts in the right corner, in the left corner. They had 162. And ultimately, eight or nine of those ads blew through the roof to such a degree that they went, oh my God, these ads for some reason are on fire. And if you ask the Trump campaign, they'll tell you they have no idea why, Mm. but they did. And so for us, that's what we're trying to figure out in that step four. What ad is going to be tested at a low cost and blow through the roof? One of the ways we do it in the corporate side is that we do banner ads, which I hate banner ads. I hate them. <laughs> but if in the testing phase at a low cost, you can get a customer to click through a banner ad, something's right on that banner ad. Something's going to work. You know it's going to work. And this really answers the question that people often ask. Well, if, if I know all the, the messages are going to, going to hit, why test? But you're really looking for the cream of the crop messages. You're right? looking for the cream of the crop, 100%. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, once you figure that out, you're going to come up with one or two ads that you know without a shadow of a doubt. 
that it's going to work. And if you realize that, then those first four steps are just a risk eliminating step to get you to step five, which is now that you know the two or three messages, the two or three creatives, the two or three, you know, with all the data behind it and everything behind it, you know, those two or three messages are just, there's just no doubt they're going to hit. They're going to just crush everything. Now you as the business owner have the confidence to go, I'm going to invest now my money into these two or three concepts. And we're going to go all in on that. And that's going to drive conversions like we've never seen. And that's what happens every time when you have a business owner that is committed to seeing it all the way through and committed to their marketing to grow their business. And it's ongoing, right? And you you tweak it as you go from that point forward. And I even write about this in the book, like beyond step five and how you think about it, how you do it. And we get into that a little bit as well. Well, we talked about reading. You're obviously a fan of books. You mentioned that at the outset. If you had to pick one or two that are, as we were just talking about, the cream of the crop for you as far as books go, what two would do you find yourself recommending more often than not? Now, I'll give you a couple. Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Love that book. There's another one by Ned Howell called uh, Driven to Distraction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't read that one. For me, as an ADD kid or an ADD person, <laughs> it helped me organize when my brain is the most focused and when it's the most unfocused and when to mm. put the activities that I need to put in front of my focus brain and when I need to put them in. So for me, I do all my analytical work in the morning because my brain is super focused. And in the afternoon, I typically do interviews or or conference calls or things like that, because I'm starting to dip in my energy, but engaging with other people raises my energy. So mm. I just learned so much of, and I had to figure it out for myself. He just kind of laid out the, you know, this is how brains work and you should think mm. about it. That was super important. And then uh, just finished Mickey Singer, Michael Singer's book, Untethered Soul. Uh, that's not necessarily business as much as it is trying to stop all the self-talk in your head that that slows you down. And it was a, a, probably one of the best books I've ever read. You might also like, I'll make some rec- recommendations to you based on what you just said. Uh, if you haven't read Daniel Pink's When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing, he, he gets into some of the same concepts about when read or best to do certain things you were oh, talking about a moment ago. And Nate Zinser, with mm-hmm. regard to self-talk, wrote a book called The Confident Mind. Uh, He has been at West Point uh, teaching cadets there for about 25 years. One of the best books I've read in the last couple of years, The Confident Mind. I've got both of them down and I'll order them. I got one other. And this one is a very easy book. And it literally is the truest book I've ever read. It's called Who Not How by Dan Sullivan Mm. and Ben Hardy. All of my successes in life have come from finding the right who's, not the how's, Mm. right? My brain always goes to, well, how can I do this? How can I solve this problem? When it should be, who can help me solve this problem? And who can help me do this? And whenever I've done that, I've exponentially like 10X my return on everything. Well, uh, Philip's book, again, is called The Undefeated Marketing System, How to Grow Your Business and Build Your Audience Using the Secret Formula that Elects Presidents. Philip, thank you so much for being here and giving of your time today. Jeff, such an honor. Thank you for having me. Boy, a lot of great book recommendations there from Philip. For more on those, links to his books, ways to connect with Philip on social media, and much more, just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash 436 for episode 436. If you have an appetite for learning, be like Lisa and so many others who have participated in my Note Making Mastery live cohort. To get on the notifications list for the next time I offer one of the live five-week cohorts, just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash list. 
In the coming weeks, we'll be welcoming authors like Patrick Verano, my friend Vincent Puglisi for the second time, Helen Cup, and an author you might have heard of, a guy by the name of Marshall Goldsmith. Plus, Cynthia Covey-Haller and her new book started before her late father's death. That's Stephen R. Covey. The book called Live Life in Crescendo. That and more on the way in the coming weeks here on the Read to Lead podcast. Well, that's going to do it for this time around. Thanks for being here. Hope to see you next time we meet. Until then, as always, remember, leaders read and readers lead. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.